What's up, everybody? Coming to you straight out of the DBT sound room, we're bringing you another episode of the Music Podcast Deluxe. That's right, Muck and Dre are back, baby, and we're ready to blow your mind. Woo! In season two, we're going to keep doing what we do best, and that's talking about concerts, records, experiences, and everything in between. Make sure you stay up to date by hitting subscribe, because we're going to have some kick-ass guests coming your way. So stay a while, and make some time for music. Okay. Notes, check. Coffee. Check. Uh, sweater. No, we got to stay cool. Dude, it's minus 20 out. Yeah, but the caffeine's got me going. You don't want to get the sweats, dude. You get the sweaty pits, it's a bad way to start the podcast. I don't know, I don't know, I... I'm good with the sweater. It's freezing cold down here. We have to go, we got to turn the heat off to uh, to record so that we don't get the the hissing of the vents. So, yeah, well, and then I mean, we got a snowstorm outside. Yeah, it's freezing cold. Winter in Montreal, Canada, everybody. Shit happens. If you're living in an area with you know sunshine and beautiful beaches in the middle of February, you don't know how good you have it. Episode 19 of the Music Podcast Deluxe, guys, we have something special for you today. We are going to have this episode scored by Pavlo at PHG Guitars. Guitarist extraordinaire is going to be putting some of his original music to this episode. And the reason for that is... Well, we're talking soundtracks today. We're talking movie soundtracks today. But before we get to that, in other related music news... Well, yeah, because, I mean, we are a music podcast deluxe, after all. Dude, last Friday was fun, man. Yeah. You know, it's not often we get to do it, but... Uh, I wanted to mention it. It's just... We we all we always say, make some time for music. That was just a perfect example. You, Steve, came over. Steve, you'd recognize from uh, previous episodes where we had our jazz special. Episode 11. Episode 11. We had our jazz special. Mr. Steve came over. Muck came by, we cracked open a bottle of Chivas, and we listened to music all night. Kicking back and relaxing that way, no visual stimulus and just conversation. I mean, we, we nerded out pretty hardcore. Well, look, Steve brought like a fucking sack of vinyls. I mean, yeah. It, we all were like super into it, and we went nuts. We just started picking album sides. and Like a couple of kids at a candy shop, man. I, had, I was excited. I knew shit to share. A few albums that I hadn't shown Steve yet. So, it, no, it was, it was a fun night, man. And afterwards, like, I just, I don't know, you feel relaxed, I find, man. Like, it, it just, it really clears your head. Like, for those hours that we were in my music room, and I just wasn't thinking about anything else. You know, we were talking music, this, that. I was just really zoned in. It's important, man. And, and the same thing happens when we jam, right? You get completely focused on what you're doing yeah and what was so cool about friday night is that i've been i've been talking a lot about uh, some of the stuff i picked up and steve hadn't heard it yet so i was able to show him a couple new things like uh especially the wu-tang album that he's just been like i've been telling him pretty much every time i've talked to him that i have it and i always forget to bring it or i'm just like ah I'll, next time i see him we'll listen to it and uh it was fun it was fun to throw that stuff on and show him the fuck listening to triumph gets you so hyped up man gets you so in the zone and and I also had the opportunity to bring over a couple uh, of my like indie favorites, right? Like the Five Horse Johnson, which not really many people here know about. No, it's and, fun to um, bust those out for sure. What else did I show them? Oh yeah, of course we threw Rage on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all all in all, good night. Battle of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I know we said we were gonna save it for uh, 
for our Rage Against the Machine episode, but that, that'll that come. It'll come. No, we got to do a Rage Against the Machine session for sure. Enough of all that jazz. Let's get to talking about soundtracks. We'll be back in a sec. So we decided today to uh, do movie soundtracks, mostly because, well, you can't do game soundtracks without doing movie soundtracks. Movie soundtracks are such an integral part of the movie watching experience that without it, it would just be, it would just be bland. And I think it's important that we split this into kind of two categories. One, the scores and the composers, and two, kind of the official soundtracks. And for the sake of clarity, we're just going to omit the musicals. Yeah, but wouldn't you say that Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny, is kind of a musical? And in that same right, wouldn't you say that School of Rock would kind of be a musical? Okay, we're going to make some exceptions. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the line is not clear-cut here. But we're not doing Sound of Music. No, we're not going to be doing Sound of Music. That's what I mean. And we won't be doing The Producers, and we won't be doing Les Miserables. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think it's also important to state that uh, you are definitely more versed in the uh, composer soundtrack or composer score scene um, comparable to me and games, right? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we did the video game soundtrack episode and I had to kind of take a seat back, you know, because I didn't know very much about modern gaming or any extensive knowledge in gaming at all, so... I guess uh, I guess I know a little more about music composers than you do, man. Maybe a little more. Well, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be on the same page. You know, okay. Look, let's talk about composers. And I mean, I am in no way making a definite like list of important ones. I am basically talking about the ones that were closest to me and the ones that marked me personally. So this is in no mean a like definitive list of top composers or anything like that. I'm basically just going to talk to you guys about what was close to me. A lot of this is from my childhood too. How can we talk about movie soundtracks without mentioning John Williams? First of all, the guy was born in 1932. He's old, man. Like, the guy is an OG. He's been in the movie music making business for like six decades or something like that. Yeah, 86 years old. You want to hear some of this? Look, look at this list of movies. I bet you've forgotten of some star wars first off jaws close encounters of the third kind superman the movie the first superman movie et indiana jones home alone first two jurassic park first two schindler's list the first three harry potter movies like and this is just and it goes on yeah yeah yeah. this is just a quick list wow it's to the point where anybody that has a collection of like 50 movies definitely has something John Williams has scored. Oh yeah, look, I definitely have Star Wars. I have the the full collection. Uh, so I automatically have that. So yeah, uh, that's a make or break. We, like, we were talking so about a few more that. that I definitely have. I don't and remember. Regardless. Yeah. Another notable music composer with 150 movies under his belt, Hans Zimmer. More than 150 movies. Now we're talking. I can name a few of those. No problem. He got into the music making business in 1980 this guy too has a a long long list of movies that like everybody has in their collection lion king pirates of the caribbean gladiator last samurai dark knight trilogy 
Jesus. Yeah, he's he's so relevant. And I mean, although I'm not a huge fan, it it's cool. Like, uh, he just does cool things. Like, he was touring, for that, example. That's right. You didn't go, right? But I didn't few, end up going to the show. But, I, yeah, a few of my buddies went to the show, and they said it was, like, really, really cool. He came on stage. He actually played instruments. And it, you, you're standing there watching this huge band play something really complicated from all these movies that you're so familiar with. It's a nice experience. Well, I mean, he also uh, most recently did Dunkirk, and I need to see that. And, and that's supposed to be like a critically acclaimed movie at this point. I don't, I, I don't follow movies too much, so uh, you got to forgive me. But um, I heard it was supposed to be really good. But I think most impressive was when uh, we went to go see the uh, at Place des Arts in Montreal. There was a um, kind of a reproduction of the score from Gladiator. So all the live music redone at an orchestral level with the movie playing in the background. And that was just fucking phenomenal. It was a really interesting experience. Unlike anything I've really experienced before, like I've been to Plastic Art for a number of things, stand-up comedy, ballet, opera, to see the symphony. But to actually watch a movie on a screen while the symphony played... It was so wild, like, they basically played the movie with the dialogue and just deleted the music from it. And played it live. So all the music was mixed live, like, it, you heard it as it was played. It was a really cool experience, and uh, they redid it with a couple more movies too, which we didn't go see, but um, I think they brought Godfather, and they did it with the Godfather uh, movie playing, and they did the same concept, and I don't remember what else, but uh, seems to be a theme. Uh, maybe even one of the Harry Potters. I like it. I think they've done it before with video games too. The uh, yeah, Zelda's quite often in Montreal, the, yeah. there's a there's a video game. No, it's uh, a cool concept. Symphony. They're trying to integrate, kind of get people interested in the music part of it using other media like the movies, dude. Whatever works, great. man. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. From Hans Zimmer, we gotta mention Danny Elfman. This guy's got a Tim Burton heart on. He's done <laughs> sixteen movies. They've. They've done 16 movies together. Jesus. Yeah, and and, uh, and actually one of the movies end up on my top five list. If we didn't mention it already, we're going to be doing a top five list near the end of this episode. And we're going to run through our top five favorite movie scenes and the music behind those scenes. I'm, I'm going to have some good ones for that. Just be ready. Oh, but what's fun about our top five list is we start talking about not just original music scored for a particular movie... But but also compilations of song, of songs already in existence put together for that specific movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now this could be a really interesting way for a movie maker to use songs to emphasize certain points with either lyrics or a feel or whatever. It's a whole new talent to match already existing songs to the movie at hand. Well, what, what about this case, right? And, and before we kind of move on to the themes or the, the the soundtracks for the action sequences and whatnot. Um, take take a guy like John Carpenter. Not only does he direct his movies, but uh, in a large majority of them, he's also writing the scores. So stuff like The Fog, Vampires, Escape from New York, uh, and the Halloween series were all scored by him as well. So when you listen to some of this stuff, you're like, oh, that's really crazy, like, synth horror music. But... Then he goes and takes it a notch or a step further and uh, starts this kind of second project with his son and godson called um, The Lost Themes, which is kind of like thriller shit that you would hear on a typical one of his movies, and they just threw it out there for people. I think that's great. Uh, he is a creepy motherfucker, man. 
even just his like John Carpenter so serious man so serious and to the point I think he just recently actually uh, released a whole bunch of his uh, LPs or um, his music on, on vinyl and I saw a couple of them floating around especially like the Vampires one and whatnot so I'd be interested in the Halloween uh, yeah just, just listen to it I think Steve might actually have it yeah I, I picked up Tubular Bells the, the Exorcist soundtrack that's right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, okay. I mean, that, that what a, what a great way to, to, to go through it. I've got a couple soundtracks of my own that I picked up and so do you. So why don't we uh, why don't we get to it? Yeah, I mean, look, the top five list could only go so far, right? So like, we're gonna we're gonna go through some notable mentions, like for example, 1995 Batman Forever, horrible movie, great soundtrack. I mean, this is where Batman completely went crazy. This is the third installment, I believe, with Riddler. Great villain. Even Tommy Lee Jones did a great job as Two Face, but right. it, it was just like over glamorized. You know, Batman went really kind of bar- bright and sparkly at this point. You know, the first two movies had a had a thing like the Tim Burton thing, and then Joel Schumacher took over for the next little while. I kind of remember. It yeah, it, it went a little off all over the place. Then they lost us until the most recent installment. Well, which was fantastic. Which was great. But uh, so, interestingly enough, we're not. You're not going to uh, highlight the score. You're more interested in this part uh, of the, the soundtrack. We have Seals Kiss from a Rose. We have U2's. I always forget this fucking title. Hold, Hold me. me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Just great songs. They were big hits at the time. You know, so you you, you have to give it to the movie for having a great soundtrack. I, I could even still picture the music videos online. You remember that U2 started with like, it was like a comic Joker and the band. They had all the drawings that kind of went from the, the, the scenes from the movie to the cartoon. Another movie that we were talking about, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. What's cool about this movie is its entire premise is kind of focused behind this battle of the bands. Right. And all the music is written originally for the movie, and they actually perform it during the movie. And what's even cooler on top of that is they got the actual actors from the movie, Michael Sarah and the rest of them, to play and sing on the record. So whatever you hear on the movie is actually them with the instruments and them singing. Dude, that'd be so fucking fun to like, as, and okay, maybe not because maybe you really didn't want to learn how to play an instrument and you hate it, but like I could picture myself being an actor and then being like, hey look, you're gonna learn how to play bass and then they give me this fucking awesome rick and and they tell me to play and they record it and it sounds fucking awesome. I don't know. The movie itself is fantastic. I think that uh, the soundtrack is super fitting and how it was recorded was was pretty spot on. It had its own style for sure. It had this like comic book thing going, which gave them a lot of freedom with the music I find. Even just the sound effects, the graphics, everything was really cool about that movie. It almost made it onto my list. I had to cut it, man. I had to cut it. We have to state, it's a strict five. You got five? You better not go over. Look, 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 okay. Before, before you give me shit about my top five, um, the director for Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the World, uh, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also the director on Baby Driver. You don't say. Now, what's interesting about Baby Driver is the entire premise of the movie is built around the concept of um, what song should be playing right now if this were taking place. So I, I know we've had that conversation in the past where uh, we listen to something like, uh, what is it, uh, Prodigies, Invaders, Must Die, and it's always like, uh, 
something pretty uh, pretty much along the lines of like a bank heist or like a getaway or, or some sort of chase, high action, very fast moving scene. Well, in Baby Driver, this is kind of the director's um, early thoughts that like this is how a scene would play out and the intro to that movie uh, to Bell Bottoms was kind of how he envisioned it. So in his case, he kind of says that the movie was more or less inspired by John Spencer uh, Blues Expo- Explosion, which uh, does the song Bell Bottoms, which is the whole intro to that. So it's an interesting concept. I love asking that question. If you were robbing a bank, what song would you want playing while you were robbing a bank? Good question. What is yours? There's a lot. Depends on the day. Uh, it does depend on the day. It does depend on the day. But pro- pro- something Prodigy would work. I wonder if Prodigy knows that they write bank robbing music. I wonder if Rob Zombie knows that he writes uh, zombie killing music or, you know, mm-hmm. shit, I don't mm-hmm. know. Probably. You could probably use it to kill mummies or vampires Anything. as well. Werewolf switches. Werewolf switches could work too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we should try that out one day. We'll get to it. If you want another interesting fact... Um, the same director, Edgar Wright, consulted with the director on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to make sure that uh, they weren't copying each other's music. Because they were coming out around the same time? Yeah. It's funny, because I always saw that parallel between uh, Baby Driver and Guardians of the Galaxy, because they they both used the soundtrack as such an integral part of the movie. In the case of Guardians of the Galaxy, it actually has something to do with the plot. It's the mixtape that his mother left him. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was his last piece of his mom. There was a, there was even an instance in the movie where he, he risked his and everybody else's life to get his Walkman back with well, the tape. I mean, it was that important to the character? Baby Drivers follows some very similar trends where, like, his mixtape kit and his iPods are, like, everything. We're doing notable mentions. I have to mention one of my favorite movies about music and movie soundtracks that didn't make my top five, High Fidelity. Came out in the year 2000. You ever seen this movie? Nope. It's with um, John Cusack. He owns a, a record store, this small local record store, and he employs these like <laughs> kind of deadbeat music nerds. And the soundtrack, you can tell that... Each song was chosen specifically for what it is. They're all obscure indie rock songs, like no singles at all. It really reflects that kind of snob personality that somebody that's really nerding out, like really into music kind of has. On this soundtrack just nailed it. Because basically the character is this like all-out expert in music and his love life is going to shit. So (laughs) there's a lot of tragic love songs and... There's a lot of that going on. Easily one of my favorite movies, for sure. I've watched it already like 10 times. I could see myself giving it another 10. Okay, so we're going to have to sit down and watch the movie because I've never seen it. Despite, oh, I think fun. despite you telling me to see it probably about a dozen times now, I have yet to watch it and I'm sorry. you got to check it out. You know what? I'm just going to keep fucking nagging you until you do it. So you got to get on it. There's so much stuff out there to see. Another notable mention, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Kind of a musical. Yeah, like we were saying, right? But it's but a rock musical. It's a rocksicle. No, it sounds like some sort of rock popsicle. Rock mu- oh, man, How do you blend those two words together? Rocksicle? Rocksicle. <laughs> <laughs> it is a rocksicle. Yeah, look, anything Jack Black and Dave Grohl have a part of, 
it's sure to be magic. Like it's a it's a cult movie. It will be something I probably watch the rest of my life. Th- that soundtrack just has a way. Every time I hear the song after, I find myself laughing at the part in the movie. You, you hear the song and, and because it's a musical and the the, the story of the m- movie is in the soundtrack. Right. You can picture the scene, you know, like scene by scene, like Master Exploder when he's screaming and the guy's head explodes. And I mean, there's just so many more instances where um, a song and a scene can trigger just like that flashback or or like that specific moment in the movie that you can relate to and be like, oh, I fucking remember that. I think we're breaking the rules. We're going to go over 10, aren't we? Or over 5 each. No, no, no. This is why we're getting rid of albums that we want to talk about now so we don't have to mention we're cheating we're cheating we're cheating it's our fucking podcast but we're gonna get to the top five it's our fucking podcast and I want to mention one more man okay go for it you might not agree with the genre but I feel like never before has a movie identified an entire genre of music and like kind of cultural episode Saturday Night Fever 1977 right at the beginning of disco it just it was what everybody used to think about disco people dressed like that people danced like that everything it, it kind of just shaped the whole movement 15 times platinum whoa 15 times platinum for a soundtrack basically you have the best songs the Bee Gees have ever written <laughs> Okay. On one soundtrack. Yeah, on one soundtrack, 20 songs long. Even if you don't like disco, by putting on that soundtrack, dude, it's just groovy bassline after groovy bassline. I challenge you not to shake your ass. I challenge you not to dance. It's near perfect at what it does. DBTH challenge. Watch Saturday Night Fever and not dance. That is this episode's DBTH challenge. You gonna do that now? It's a thing? I guess we just started it, man. We just started it. DBTH challenge. Do we get to it? Do we do our top five? Yeah. Look, there's a lot of scenes out there. This is not a, by any means like a definitive list. But uh, I think I've got some some solid uh, some solid picks. You want to go first or you want me to get, get to it? Let us take a dramatic pause. Top Gun. The intro into Danger Zone. I mean, come on. How can that not be... I, 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 I assume you've watched Top Gun. Dude, every time I hear that song, I want to strap a motorcycle between my legs and go 150 kilometers an hour. What's so great about that soundtrack, and I'm cheating on this first one because I'm allowed to, is that the entire first side of the album, or of, of the soundtrack, is fantastic. You have to mention which scene. Which specific scene? We set the rules before we I started said it, this. The intro into Danger Zone. Fair, fair, right? Fair, Which fair, is fair. literally the aircraft. Totally, 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 totally fair. Next up, we've got Ghostbusters Two. I want to give credit to Ghostbusters One because, like, the theme song to Ghostbusters is fantastic. But Ghostbusters Two, when Higher and Higher comes on, that's when they uh, they uh, rig up the Statue of Liberty with the, the slime and then they go up in it and smash through the city like they give no shits to just go smash the, the slime dome. That's, uh, that that was like my favorite Ghostbusters scene from both movies. I love those fucking movies, man. What's cool about the Ghostbusters theme too, it made it to wedding reception dance floors somehow. Have you ever have you ever heard that come on at a wedding? I, I don't know. I don't how does so. a song... I've a lot of Italian weddings, so... How does a song at... That, 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 that four men use to kill evil spirits end up at a wedding celebration. 
Because I ain't afraid of no ghosts, man. He ain't afraid of no ghosts, that's clear. Next up, I've got uh, Reservoir Dogs, stuck in the middle uh, when uh, Madsen cuts off uh, the cop's ear. I mean, that's a classic scene. Classic. And uh, I, have to, uh, I have to say it. There's no doubt about it. Then we have the intro, the diner scene to Pulp Fiction. So we got two Tarantino movies on my list. I am a fan, Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Pulp Fiction, was it Miserilu? Yeah. The uh, the diner scene? Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about that. And then finally, the ending credits to The Matrix, the original Matrix, after you've just for the first time sat down and watched this incredible movie, Rage Against the Machine, Wake Up, comes on to close out the film. That's my list. Dude, respect, man. Matrix is my jam. And like, like that end scene, I always found... Him taking off to the sound of that Rage song, that movie could have ended the trilogy. You know, like, it was a movie on its own. Yeah, you know, like and you didn't know two more movies were coming. And I loved the second and third. I know a lot of people had problems with them. I'm a huge fan of the entire trilogy, but just the way they ended that first movie, just wrapped it all up. There goes Keanu, flying away, listening to Rage Against the Machine. My hero. It was in his ears? I guess so, man. He was the one, man. And I can do uh, I can do one more one more honorable honorable mention. Ah, oh, dude, uh, honorable mention. Go, Puff Daddy, Godzilla. <laughs> come, come with me. The Cashmere ripoff. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a ripoff because it was actually Jimmy Except, Page. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that Wake Up had a kind of Cashmere feel. It's kind of that. I guess. Right. Yeah. Kind of that feel. It's funny that you mentioned that that song as your honorable mention. So what, I'm going to do uh, Dre's top five now? Yeah, go for it. Okay, hold You're on. Up, Let me get this note. Home Alone. Movies one and two. Because you can't talk about the first without talking about the second. They shared a lot of the same themes. Specifically. Specifically, when Kevin is setting up the traps... And he runs from the church after talking to that old man and he's mm-hmm. all hyped up. You know, and he gets his map out and he's setting up the traps. I, I, I lose my mind <laughs> watching that as a kid. I would lose it. It would just seem like the funnest, coolest thing. And the music had this way of adding this, like, anticipation and I- excitement to it. You know, like, you could watch the movie a hundred times, which I probably have. And every time I'm looking forward to seeing them walk through these traps you know like I don't even remember what it was like watching it the first time because I've watched it so many but uh there's also like the Run Run Rudolph scene when they get into the airport but that's it. I have to cheat this one too yeah. I, I can't give just one scene and I I literally bought Rockin' Christmas because of some of the songs from from the Home Alone Run Run Rudolph by Chuck Berry that's it was so perfect when they forget their son at home and they're running through the airport to make their flight just classic, classic. Number two, the original Batman. Scored by Danny Elfman with his Tim Burton heart on, because that was a Tim Burton movie. And what went along with the score was uh, Prince basically wrote an entire album for the movie. So it was the, the OST, the official soundtrack, was Prince. Yeah, that's right. Specific scene, we're talking about the part where the Joker pumps all of that purple gas into the museum kills everybody except for the girl museum slash restaurant yeah museum slash restaurant kills everybody but that girl because she had the gas mask and then he goes in and he fucks up all the art song's called Party Man by Prince (laughs) 
We just watched the little clip before recording this. You, you see he draws faces, he knocks over sculptures, all while this like super poppy funk Prince song is playing. It, it just matches perfect. As soon as the song comes on, I can picture the true Joker. The one and only real Joker. I'm sorry Heath Ledger fans, Jack Nicholson is the only Joker that matters. And to top it off, they show up with a boombox. Like, yeah, they, that's right. That's the song they wanted to put on. They just walk in and they throw down, man. Yeah. They just fucking crank it. It's great. Number three. A movie that I actually saw recently, even though it only came out in 95, Dead Presidents. It was a story about three guys from the Bronx in the 70s. It was just full of 70s funk, soul, and R&B. We're talking James Brown, the OJs, Isaac Hayes, Stevie Wonder... Temptations. There's one specific scene where they're in a pool hall and he's gambling and they have this bet going on this game and in the background you have James Brown's payback. Number four, Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, come on. Another appearance by my man John Williams. The scene is they're in Jeeps arriving at Jurassic Park and they just see the brontosauruses. The first time they see oh, a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you can still get goosebumps as they rise up out of the seat. Like, I can picture it, you know? And they're looking at the brontosaurus, and you hear that beautiful song. Wouldn't Amazing. you just shit your pants if you were going to a theme park, and they're like, yeah, you're going to go see real dinosaurs, and you sit in the Jeep, and the first fucking thing you see is a brontosaurus or a T-Rex? What song do you think should be played? That song. <laughs> <laughs> Only that song. Over and over. Number five, Guardians of the Galaxy. The opening scene again, Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. You have Chris Pratt pushing play on his Walkman, puts on his headphones, and proceeds to kick the crap out of these little critters on his way to stealing this, what is it, an orb? I don't remember. The first one's an orb? Yeah, he he steals that little thing, that all-powerful thing. Whatever. The ball. The orb. The thing. The special item. And again, special credit to Guardians of the Galaxy just because this mixtape was a very important part of the not just the first movie but the second movie as well. There was a new mixtape for the second movie. I wonder how long they're going to carry on this. I don't know. Who, who knows? Interestingly enough, uh, the original Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 was my first LP soundtrack that I bought and um, my first tape soundtrack that I bought was Ninja Turtles. Fun fact. Oh, dude, we can just carry on with honorable yeah, mentions. Yeah, we can go. Can. We can go all day. We but. could have done a top 100 list, people. Please forgive us. You know, we're just trying to get in all these like, oh, we can't forget. Oh, but we can't do. We didn't even mention Rocky. No, there's there's thousands of movies. There's thousands of movies. It's impossible to track them all. This was some that uh, came to the top of our heads. That uh, I mean, look, most of these I own as soundtracks, so I got to talk about them. That's that's the deciding factor. People out there. I cannot say it enough. If you got any links to show us about your favorite tracks from a movie, send them over. Go to Facebook, post them, personal message us, email us. Muck, tell them where they can find us. As always, if you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email, thedbthguys at gmail.com, or you can check us out on Facebook at thedbthguys, Twitter, Spotify, Instagram. Look for us, send us a message, let us know what you think. And uh, as always... Remember, everybody, make some time for music. It's fucking important. Yeah, it's good. I hope that puts a sweet soundtrack right about here.
Yeah, he should end it on a high note, I feel. That would probably be the classic.